Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Amen. You may be seated. Do we serve a mighty savior or what? Yeah. Y'all sound like we serve a savior that's still in the grave. Do we serve a savior that has risen from the grave? Amen. I love the way Psalms 107 says it. it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you have been redeemed from the hand of the enemy, any redeemed folks sitting in the room today? Well, the Bible says you ought to say so. And I, I know why you're not excited right now, because you almost got spiritual amnesia where you forgot the unredeemed you, the petty you. The you that was trifling, the you that was cutthroat. But I'm grateful that God decided that he would look down and canvas the earth and say, that's mine. I want him. I want her and save me and redeem me. And because of that, I got to say so. I got to come to church and make some noise. I don't know about you, but I don't believe in quiet church because we have a redeemer that saved us. Therefore, we ought to say something back to him. Can somebody just lift up a praise in the room? Kind of set the atmosphere. He's mighty to save. Well, welcome to all of our first time visitors. It is good to be gathered with uh, God's people here. We are honored that our first time visitors are here. I didn't get to see who uh, who you were, but we are honored that you are here. I see you waving your hand. It is a delight and a joy that you decided to come hang out with us today. And our hope and prayer is that you would uh, when you fill out that connection card, uh, really, you know, fill it out and give us a little bit about who you are. Give us some prayer requests because we actually really like praying for what it is that is on your mind and on your heart. Uh, give it to our hospitality so you can get a gift. But also the greatest gift that you can get is knowing that during the week we are actually have a whole team that is praying for you. And so we, we are grateful that you are here. Uh, I'm eager to preach the word. So won't you grab your Bibles and meet me in Mark one. Y'all all right this afternoon. Listen, I'm so excited to be back with you guys today. I had to preach last week in, uh, in L.A., was out in Los Angeles, um, preaching the word of God with a dear church and a dear family out there. Uh, I got a chance to take both of my boys with me to L.A., and it was great to have them with me. Um, we don't honor them enough publicly, and I just publicly want to just honor my boys. My, my youngest son, Jeremy, he hates this. Wave your hand, Jeremy. <laughs> my oldest son, Brandon, is in the booth. I mean, wave your hand. I was looking back at some old photos of when we first started the church in 2015. We were on Tompkins and Putnam. And I was looking back at the old photos and uh, I realized like no one has invested more time than my two boys. I just saw pictures of them like unloading the U-Haul. Y'all don't know nothing about that, but we were portable at that time. Every Saturday, Gabe and I would meet up at the U-Haul place and we'd, uh, the, the storage unit, and we would load up the U-Haul, park it on Nostrand, then we would unload it, our, and we would unload it every single Sunday morning and then take it back. And I have pictures of both of my boys unloading the U-Haul and pulling stuff out and just preparing for worship. And I'm grateful and just want to honor them. So I got to hang out with them last night, but... Uh, last weekend, but you guys were in good hands because Pastor Craig was here from Brooklyn Tabernacle, and I'm grateful for him, his his saged wisdom, uh, tender he has in ministry that uh, he was able to come and, and share some thoughts with us today. But I'm also grateful for you. 
for all of you that came and, and, and all of our leaders that hold things down, our volunteers, our worship team and AV team and, and children's ministry, everyone that holds down the fort uh, every Sunday. But I particularly want to highlight one person today. And the reason I want to highlight this one person is because a few weeks ago we were in our ministry, uh, our leaders meeting. And our leaders meeting really is all of our ministry leaders come together and there's a time of ministry development. But we also talk about, you know, what's going on in each ministry. And there was one young lady that's over our children's ministry that uh, was saying that she's lost a few people on her team uh, just due to the transiency of New York and busyness of life. She lost a few people on her team, but we found out a uh, a few weeks ago that she was serving every Sunday in the kids ministry. You got to understand, we take our children's ministry very serious because when you drop your children off, it's not romper room time where they just run around. But we actually, in a loving and fun way, want to engage them with the gospel. So there's a lot of prep that goes into that. What you guys are hearing today, they're hearing something similar. And so there's a lot of prep that goes into uh, preparing for your kids to come. And so uh, this young lady has served and served and served. And then I look on social media and she's always in community and she's always serving and giving out. If there's a need in the church, if one of you fall on a hardship, she's the first one to set up a meal plan. And it's just a blessing. So I want to honor Trishna today. Wave your hand, Tristan. Amen. 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 We live in a very low honor culture where we don't celebrate people enough, but uh, I honor her today and I want to do so really in two ways we can really show our love to Trishna. Number one, because she's been working so much uh, in the children's ministry, we, we wanted to give her a time to get her a little deep tissue massage. Man, so we're going to send her to get her a massage. We're also trying to figure out ways that we can give her a break. Uh, But not only that, the the guys want to get together and figure out a Sunday that we can just ask all the ladies to just sit down and relax a Sunday where all of the uh, children's ministry stuff is being handled by the guys. Not the infant room. Just we will serve. (laughs) We'll serve the big kids room, not the infant room. But we want to honor her in two ways. Number one, we want to get her this massage. So this is for you, Trishna. Y'all celebrate her again. Give me some love. Love you. And the second way we want to honor her is we want a bunch of y'all to come up to her and say, I want to serve in the children's ministry. I see y'all ain't, y'all ain't celebrating there. Y'all were celebrating when it was on my dime. But y'all ain't celebrating but let, seriously, let's celebrate her by, uh, by getting in there and figuring out, like some of you really do have time on your hand. And one of the greatest ways you can put your hand to the plow is by going in there and serving in the children's, uh, children's ministry, except, especially some of you brothers, some of you men. Those, those young uh, babies in there really need to see a male presence as well. And so please, uh, you guys ask around, especially if you have kids, if, if, you, uh, if you drop your children off. Uh, figure out a Sunday that you can serve or figure out a service that you can serve. Uh, it would be a great, great, great blessing. Amen? Amen. All right, let's get at it. We are in Mark chapter one. Today we are starting a brand new series called Boundaries, talking about boundaries. And um, I'm convinced that our culture doesn't allow for us to really set up good boundaries. And if you do set them up, typically we're not disciplined enough to maintain them. 
And so my prayer, my hope today is to really focus on, um, not just today, but over the next four weeks, to focus on this idea of creating boundaries uh, sometime between the world and you and your friends and you and your family and you and your phone and you and just all of this stuff that distracts us, uh, just setting up some parameters. Next week, we'll be talking about sexual boundaries. And we're going there. Y'all, y'all know I really sometimes have no filter. So y'all, y'all pray for me, but I'm, I'm hoping to really... Um, I'm really hoping to, to really deal with some, some stuff that the church has neglected because we consider it taboo. The problem is y'all go out of here and y'all hear about it in every other place that you're at. So I figure you might as well hear it in this space as well. Uh, so we'll be talking about sexual boundaries next week. But this week we we're just talking about uh, boundaries, really emotional boundaries, people boundaries and digital boundaries is what we're going to talk about today. So why don't you pick me up? Verse 35, Mark 1 says this, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, meaning Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. Somebody say desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon, also known as Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. Please underline that phrase. Verse 38, and he said to them, let us go to the next town that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Guard Your Space. Why don't you uh, get Baptist with me and and announce the title with me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Neighbor. Say, oh, neighbor. Y'all got to do it like Baptists say, oh, neighbor, guard your space. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Father, as we approach this sermon series on boundaries, we do not do so dependent on ourselves. We don't need earthly wisdom today. We don't need a sermon that's going to tickle our fancy today. But Father, we need the nutrients that's found in the word. And so Father, would you cut us? Would you encourage us? Would you transform us? Father, when I walked in this morning, I felt the Holy Spirit in the place. So Lord, I pray that that would translate into transformed lives. May we look at the guardrails around us and or the lack of, and Lord, may, may we uh, really apply the scripture today and apply what Jesus is modeling for us today. May he be the hero. May he be proclaimed. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. May the cross be celebrated today. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. Guard your space. I graduated in 1999. Uh, and when I graduated, I immediately went to Kane University, which is the northern part of Jersey in Elizabeth, New Jersey. I went to Kane University to play Division Three football. And... Because I was on the football team, I had to go to the, to the campus early. We had to go in the summertime to, uh, to prepare training camp, to prepare for the season. And so when I got there, by God's grace, this wasn't normal, but by God's grace, I got accepted to the school at the same time that I got freshman housing, campus housing. But I didn't know that when I got to the school and particularly the football team that many of my teammates didn't have housing. They got accepted to the school, but they were on the waiting list for housing. And I found out that the waiting list was really, really backed up and they weren't promised any housing. 
When I started to get in conversation with them, I realized that some of them was, was literally traveling over an hour to an hour and a half to get every day to get back and forth to practice and every day to get back and forth to school. And their dedication moved me, it moved me to the point where my roommate and I thought it would be a good idea to have someone come stay with us. Now, now you got to understand something. I was in freshman dorm housing, which is literally a small room the size of this stage with two beds, a small refrigerator and a shared bathroom. So when I invited them to come stay with us, we all went to Walmart. We got sleeping bags. And next thing I know, seven guys were living in one freshman dorm apartment. Needless to say, many boundaries were crossed during this season. I don't know about y'all, man, but when I was in school, I lived off of ramen noodles. I had a stack of ramen noodles because it was five cent a pack. I also lived off of Jersey Mike subs uh, because they had a special on Monday, $2.99 for the foot long. I cut it in half. Monday, that would be dinner. Tuesday, that would be dinner. And then the rest of the week was all ramen noodles. But having seven guys in, in the apartment, I, I started to quickly see that my stash was being depleted. It wasn't me. <laughs> People were eating my ramen noodles. They were eating my Jersey Mike subs. And I, I quickly realized that this wasn't a good situation for me to further escalate my anxiety around all of these guys being in the room is when it came shower time, uh, it, it was a problem. There were times where I needed to get out to go to class, but I felt like the man at the pool of Bethesda. Every time I tried to get in, somebody else jumped in before me. A lack of respect for boundaries. I was looking around saying, is this not my apartment? Did I not invite you in? Did I not help you out? And my guess is that many of you in the room today, even though your situation might be slightly different, I'm willing to bet that in life, you feel like I felt in that freshman dorm room. Many of you feel that you don't have the boundaries in place. You haven't said no to people enough that you feel overwhelmed, you feel depleted, you feel tired, you feel exhausted, you feel anxious. And my suggestion to you today is that you probably just don't have enough boundaries in place. You probably haven't said no enough. And so it's a good thing that we're in Mark chapter one today. It's a good thing that you came to church today because Jesus is going to give us the perfect model for creating boundaries. Jesus is going to give us the perfect model for what it looks like. Don't miss this to limit the access that people have to you. He's going to give us a perfect model of what it looks like to disconnect from the world. Watch this so that he can spend time with his father. Why don't you consider the passage with me today? We won't be here long. Verse number 35 says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, de he departed and went out to a desolate place. I love this. And there he prayed. One of the main ingredients of Jesus' earthly ministry was marked by prayer. Well, one of the main focuses before Jesus did anything major, he always prayed. Let me give you an example of that. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. When he was sitting on the cross before he's about to finish and accomplish the work of salvation, the Bible says that he prayed for his enemies. John chapter 17 records the high priestly prayer, which is an entire chapter devoted to praying for you. 
He prayed for the unity of the body, but not only that, his occupation has not changed. The same Jesus that prayed while on the earth is in heaven right now, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 34, interceding for you. Can you believe that? That Jesus is in heaven going, God, I know they're not, they not going the right direction, or maybe they are. Keep them focused, Lord. Keep them. Jesus is praying for you right now, and Jesus was serious about prayer. He was so serious about prayer that he was willing to set boundaries between him and his closest disciples to protect prayer, to protect his time of communicating with his father. And so the Bible says in verse 35 that Jesus has to go away to a desolate place and he goes there to ensure that prayer is a priority. See, you thought that I was going to be talking about boundaries to further push your isolation, you thought that I was going to be talking about boundaries over the next week to, to further uh, communicate to you your introvert, how, how much you're an introvert. But that's not what we're talking about. Boundaries are put into place so that you can spiritually grow in relationship with the Lord. And how do you do that? Jesus says, I got to pray to God. Now, now, here, here's the thing. I know what you're doing. You're going, Pastor B, I hear you, but I'm too busy for all of that. Are you busier than Jesus? Like you like, do you know Jesus responsibility? The Bible says in John chapter one that Jesus, that without him, nothing was made. Nothing was created. In other words, Jesus created all of the known world. He's created all of the heavens. Jesus created that according to John chapter one and Colossians chapter one. But not only that, after he created everything, the Bible says in him, Jesus, Colossians one, all things hold together, meaning Jesus is upholding the sun right now as he's upholding the chair that you're sitting on. Okay, let me go deeper. He's holding you down right now. The reason you ain't fall apart it's because Jesus is on his post. Jesus is busy. And here's what I want to suggest to you. Jesus is busier than you. I know you a boss. I know you moving up the corporate ladder. I know you working on your dissertation and you working on your degree. Praise God, but you're not busier than the king of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus, even though he was busy, got time to say, I got to get away. I got to create boundaries between me and the disciples. I got to create boundaries between me and the people I'm ministering to. I got to create boundaries between me and the world. Why? Because I got to get with God. What does boundaries look like in your life? How have you created enough space between you and everything else? Let me go deeper. How have you created enough boundaries between you and you? Oftentimes we are our own greatest distraction. But Jesus says, man, listen, I, I want to protect how serious prayer is. So therefore, I'm going to get away to a desolate place, not only desolate, but distraction free. How do I know he went to a distraction free place? Because verse 35 says that he went away to a desolate place and there he prayed. But then verse 36 says that Simon and those who were with him searched for him. He was in such a remote place with no access to the known world that they had to search for him. In other words, looking and searching are two different things. You can stand in one place and look. Looking is what my boys do when I say, can you get the remote? That's what they do. Searching is pulling up the pillows, looking in the refrigerator, because y'all know sometimes the remote be in there, looking up under the nightstand. They had to search for Jesus, meaning Jesus was in such a place of isolation and, and hiding between him and the Lord. He created a distraction. He did not bring his phone to the desolate place. 
And that's what we do. You you might be good at setting up boundaries, but let's be honest, the boundaries you have, you're still distracted. The atmosphere you've created is still distracted. How do I know? Because you got a phone with you today. Our phones are one of our greatest distractions. You get up and you look at Facebook instead of getting up and putting your face in the book. We get up and what we want, y'all seen them bars coming out? Come on, come on. Listen to me, what we do is we want to create distraction-free environments, but we bring our phone with us. Sometimes the greatest space you need is not people, it's your phone. You got too much access to the world. You know too much. It's too much at your fingertips. Let's be honest. You don't need to know what went viral every time it goes viral. Some stuff you have to be like, oh, that went viral? The, 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 the picture went viral. You need to know that that meme went viral in the morning. You don't need to know. Sometimes you need to know two days later. Why? Because you're, you're too connected. And sometimes you got to disconnect. Hear me. Sometimes I got to get away from my phone. Sometimes when I walk in the house, I have to turn it upside down and put it upstairs, put it on the charger and put it away. Why? Because if I'm too available for people, I'll never be available for the Lord. Jesus doesn't bring his phone. He doesn't bring his phone. He goes into a desolate place, a place where nobody is. And hear me and hear me well. Your boundaries will not happen by osmosis. Your boundaries will not be created based on thin air. No, you're actually going to have to demand boundaries. You're going to have to demand the limits that people have on you. You're going to have to demand that people not always have access to you. And that's exactly what Jesus do. How do I know that? Because they search for him when they find him. They say everybody's looking for you. Jesus is like, so? He doesn't even answer. He doesn't say, okay, yeah, we'll bring them all to me. No, he creates boundaries, but he maintains boundaries. So don't, don't hear me just say, have space between you and the world, and I'm not promoting individualism because that's not Christianity. You are baptized into a body, but hear me, even though you are baptized into a body, there are times that you need to get away and get with God. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus does. And so the Bible says that they search for him. They're looking for him. The Bible says that they, they find him. And they ask him one important question. Look at what verse 35 says. I didn't slam the Bible, so I'm out of Mark 1. Here we are. <laughs> verse uh, 35 says, in rising very early in the morning, uh, don't, don't focus on very early in the morning as though that's more spiritual. Just want to throw that out there. You can be just as spiritual at noon. Yes. You can be just as spiritual praying in the evening. And it's it, just because you got up earlier, although I, there is value to it, but you can pray at any time. But the point Jesus is making is, listen, it's not the time I'm praying. It's that I've protected it. That's that's the point of the passage It's protected. Uh, I have a protected atmosphere. It says he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, please look at this. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. In other words, they didn't respect the boundaries that Jesus put in place. Jesus said, I'm going to a desolate place. They're looking all over frantic. They finally find him and they say, we need you to come back off of those boundaries and give access to everybody. You got to hear me and hear me well. When it comes to boundaries over the next four weeks, one of the things I can promise you is that everybody will not respect your boundaries. 
Everybody doesn't have the same value you have. They don't have the same discipline you have. Don't get mad. It's exactly what is supposed to happen. But here's what we do. We're good at creating the boundaries. We're horrible at saying no and maintaining them. So what we do is after a while, we'll start to put our guard down. You want to borrow my car? You can borrow my car. You, you, wanna, you need some money, even though it'll put you in a financial strain. You decide to give them the money anyway. After a while, you keep saying yes, and you keep saying yes. And after a while, when you say yes so much, you're always saying no to something else. Hear me. In the text, if Jesus said yes in verse 37, he's saying no to verse 38 and verse 39. You got to understand, your yes to everybody else is often a no to what God has put in you. The mission and the, the focus he has you on, your no, your yes to somebody else is actually saying no to that. And so the Bible says that Jesus creates boundaries, but once he creates them, people want him to go back on them. And so they ask him, they say to him, everybody is looking for you. And there, there, there should you, for many of you in here, your boundaries start with you saying no. I know it's not easy, you, but you ain't acting new because you said no. You're not acting funny because you ain't say no. You, because you said no, you saying no is actually you wanting to have an emotional, you want to grow in your emotional, mental capacity. And so sometimes you just got to get away from people. In other words, I can't always be available for you. Listen, Epiphany Church, I love y'all. I do. Last week when I was in L.A., I was preaching and I talked about y'all. When I sit down with the, the pastors of the church, I was talking about, y'all, I love Epiphany Church and I love the people in Epiphany Church. But for me to go deep in community, I don't need you at my house every day. See, this is this is real. Y'all don't need the person next to you, to the right of you and left of you to always be at your house, to be in community. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's somewhat unhealthy and cultish. Oh, you can't say that because Acts chapter two said that day by day they attended the temple together. And I'm not saying I'm not saying go against Acts two. But what I'm saying is, do you know that Acts two is descriptive, not prescriptive? In other words, Acts two is describing what the early church did, not prescribing what you should be doing. And so in other words, to be a balanced Christian. Yes, I need community. Yes, I need the body. Yes, I need my brothers. Yes, I need my sisters. But I also need some isolated time to be alone with God. Sometimes you got to shut the house down. You can't always have the house open. Because sometimes I got to shut the house down so that I can open other things. Y'all didn't get that. I need a husband to say amen right there. Because let me tell you something. Having people at your house all the time will destroy your marriage. It will destroy your. And if you're single, listen, sometimes you need a Netflix night by yourself and some prayer with Jesus. That's all you need. So sometimes you, you need to be able to enjoy a social life without feeling like I always got to be around everybody else. You don't have to be. What you're doing is you're escaping a long time with God. What you're doing is you're stopping yourself from growing in relationship and in prayer. And you're saying, everybody come over. Everybody come over because I'm deep in community where everybody come over. When we first started the church, there, there was... There was a guy that came up to me and said, yo, I want to go deep. I want to go deep with you, bro. I'm like, all right, what, what's that mean? Yo, I want to just be able to show up at your house and watch your kids. I'm like, bro, you don't ever show up at my house. I need a call, a text, and you need to confirm that I said okay. 
and nobody watches my kids because to me that's not going deep. That's weird. And so, it is. And so what I what I really need is I need to get away so that when I am around you, you get a healthy me. Yes. You get a focused me. You get a me that actually cares for you. You, you get a me that's not depleted and tired. And so sometimes I got to do like Jesus in verse 35 and get to a desolate place. Tracy's trying to get to her desolate place right now. I guess what I'm, what I'm promoting is you got to learn the power of no. You, you got to learn. There, there's a verse. There, there's a passage tucked away. Read it on your devotional time in Matthew 25. Write that down. Matthew 25 records a, a story of 10 virgins. The Bible says that five of them are wise and five of them are foolish. Now, when I read stories like that, I want to know why are the wise wise and why are the foolish fools? I, I just I have to know it. And there's two reasons I think that the wise virgins are considered wise in the passage. The Bible says that 10 virgins are together and they're all waiting for the bridegroom to come. And so to prepare for him, they have to collect enough oil. And the oil is supposed to keep their lamps burning so that when the bride comes, they have the oil that they need. But the Bible says that five of them don't prepare. They don't bring any oil. But the other five bring a flask of oil. Now, many people will say that they're wise because they prepared. I don't think that's the only reason they're wise. Read Matthew 25. They're also wise because when the bridegroom comes, the five foolish virgins says, give us some oil. Here's what I love. They knew the power of no because they said, no, go down to the market and buy your own oil. You got to learn that you have to say no sometimes in order to set up boundaries between yourself and the world. No, is not disrespectful. No, is not you being mean. No, is not you acting new. No, is me guarding my emotional health. That's what no means. So the Bible says that Jesus here, he gets away. But when he gets away, he limits the access people have to him. And the Bible says that they say to him, come, everybody's looking for you. Jesus, Jesus like so. In fact, Jesus is is a a little shady and I love it because they say everybody's looking for you. Look at the next verse. The next verse says, let's go to Galilee. (laughs) Like Jesus doesn't even respond to the fact that y'all want to get with me. Meet me at revival at Jesus Baptist Church in Galilee, because over there I'm preaching in the synagogues over there. I'm casting out demons. Is that in your Bible? The Bible says that Jesus said no, but he he does it in a way that he doesn't like we say no, but we're afraid to say no for a few reasons. Can you all write these down? There's three specific reasons why we are afraid to say no to people. First reason that we're afraid to say no is because we don't want to disappoint or hurt their feelings. Please notice that Jesus has no regard for their feelings. But please, like, notice that Jesus goes from verse 36, 37 and goes right to Galilee in verse 38. He has no re- We don't like saying no because I don't want to hurt you. But you got to understand something about boundaries. Boundaries is not an offensive weapon to hurt you. It's a defensive tool to guard my space. It's a defensive tool to make sure that I'm growing in my spiritual walk with the Lord. And the quicker you learn this, the quicker you will walk in more spiritual health by simply saying, no, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to disrespect you. What I'm trying to do is get more time with the Lord. And again, this is why you guys are always giving out money and you're giving out your car and you got to pour into somebody else's relationship. But I'm tired, but I'm depleted, but I need time. So what Jesus does is Jesus says, it's okay to say no, 
In fact, Jesus did not only say no. It's a silent no because he doesn't even answer. He just goes on to the next town. Second reason. Second reason that we don't like saying no is because we believe the, the myth that boundaries means I'm selfish. Boundaries don't mean you're selfish. In fact, I would argue that it's the opposite. Boundaries actually mean I care for you so much that I want to be loving to you when I'm around you. So let me get away and go to a desolate place, spend time with the Lord so that when I go, I can care for you better. The, the people around me get the best me when I'm spending time with the Lord, isolated from the community. Sometimes you just need that time away so that you can not be selfish. It's not selfishness. It's stewardship. It's stewardship of your emotional capacity. It's stewardship of, of your mental health. And some of us, it's stewardship of your physical health. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're anxious. And it's because you don't have enough guardrails around you. Myth number three to why we don't say no. Because we often feel guilty about the boundaries and we typically feel guilty about the boundaries because the person that you've set up a limit with helped you in a previous season so because they helped you in a previous season you feel obligated that you got to put down your boundaries but if your help put me in debt to you then I don't really need your help I'm not trying to be funny, but here, this, this is real. What we do is people helped us. And so therefore we're like, I always got to be, and you'll be there available for them, even though you're exhausted on the verge of a nervous breakdown, but you're available because I feel guilty not being there. But listen, me not being there is, 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 I shouldn't feel any guilt. Here's the gospel. Jesus gave us a gift of salvation, not alone. In other words, Jesus ain't in heaven going, I done died for them. I hope they pay me back. In fact, Jesus is so dope. He dies for you knowing you'll never be able to pay him back. Knowing you'll never earn it. He knew that it was a gift. And if people give you a gift, tell me it's a gift. If they give you a loan, tell me it's a loan. So therefore, I'll decide if later it's going to infringe upon my limits and I'll make a good decision on whether I can take that gift or not. So what we do is we feel guilty. And here's the thing. Most of us, this is a room full of millennials. Most of us have a hard time not really saying no to the people around us, but to your parents. Wow. Okay, maybe I'm talking to myself. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. There, there, there are just some times. Listen, when I said everybody can't be over your house at all times. Listen, that includes mama. That includes that includes daddy. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. That includes daddy. And if you're married, that includes in-laws. They can't, they, sometimes you, somebody got in-law problems in here. Sometimes, sometimes you have to be able to have a guard between you and your parents. And we go back on our, on our, on our boundaries when it comes to our parents, because we can't tell mama no. We can't tell my, my father no. And some of y'all brought your parents here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry. I don't mean it. But sometimes baby got to say no to spend time with the Lord. And if you have a good parent, they'll respect those boundaries. In fact, they'll promote. They'll say, baby, how you doing holding up them boundaries? You, you, you letting too many people have access to you yet? You, you went back on them yet? Because the pastor, I heard the pastor. He said, verse 37, Jesus didn't go back on his boundaries. That's what mama got to say to you. So daddy got to say to you. And so what we need is 
We need healthier boundaries, which typically the foundation of them is the word no. That's, that's deep. Some of you should write on your notes a big no. And that's what I got to live by. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. All right. So Jesus here, Jesus here, verse 35, don't miss this. Jesus in verse 35 sets up the boundaries. He goes to a desolate place, so desolate they have to search for him. Verse 37, they say, everybody's looking for you. In other words, go back on the limits that, uh, uh, to the access that you, that you have with people. They ask him to go back. But because he said no in verse 35, uh, 37, it allowed him to stay focused in verse 38 and verse 39. Read with me verse 38. It says, and he said to them, let's go to the next towns that I may preach there also. That is why I came. And he went throughout Galilee preaching in the synagogue and casting out demons. Jesus saying no helped him to stay on mission. And God has put in some of you some very clear vision. He put in you some very clear things that he's called you to do. But you've been distracted because everybody's around you giving you advice. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, with many advisors, plans succeed. So hear me. You succeed when you get other voices but you got to define how many many is you you got because what we do is we allow everybody in our space and when you have everybody in your space it's easier to confuse God's voice with theirs it's easier to confuse what everybody else is saying that you should do there are times where you just got to get alone and get away with God so that he can give you direction and crystallize the vision what we've done is We've put down the boundaries and we said, you come in, you come in and we've got off of track. You never made it to verse 38. You never made it to verse 39 because in verse 37, you said, everybody looking for me, tell them to come on in and you've got distracted. And what you've done is you've allowed their voices to detour the vision. I've done this before, but can, can I get some help here? I need five people with your glasses. Can I have both of your glasses? I'll take your glasses too. Don't give me that face, Tasha. Let me get your glasses. They nice and clean, no smudges on them. I need somebody else with some plastic glasses because all these metal ones, they'll broke. I need one more person, one more person with glasses. Thank you, brother. Thank you for your glasses. Here, here's what happens. What happens is you're supposed to have boundaries to protect the vision to make sure that you are doing what God called you to do these glasses represent other voices that don't have boundaries but you just allow them in your life and so Jesus says this is what I want you to do in verse 38 and verse 39 I need you to stay focused stay on vision but what you've done is you've put down your boundaries and you let somebody else in and they've said no this is what you should do and then you put on somebody else's vision and then you, you went on a couple weeks later and you called somebody else and you said, come over, girl, let's have a girl's night and let's talk. And what you did was you put on another pair of vision and you kept going and you put on somebody else's glasses and you put on another. These are really smudged. You got to you got clean these and, and you put on you put on you put on somebody else's vision. And next thing you know, because you never had boundaries, this is what you look like. And he, hear me, hear me clearly. I can't see none of y'all. <laughs> the reason I can't see you is because I got five different visions on because I never protected myself and put up boundaries. You need boundaries. And you don't need, I don't know, are you standing? I can't see over here. I, I, I don't know who it is that I'm talking to, but many of you are going through life and this is what you look like. That this is what you look like and after a while, not only do you lose vision, but you'll be a sick puppy. 
Me walking around like this, can you imagine I walked around Fulton Street like this all day? Yo, what up, dude? Yo, what's up, my man? Can you imagine me walking around like this? What you'll see me walking around like this by tonight, Ty's gonna be like, I'll take him to the hospital. He's sick, he's nauseous, he's throwing up, and many of you, the vision has helped, has, has been hindered because this is what you look like, and God is like, create some boundaries. Start, start to pull away from people sometimes so that you can start to see and have clear vision. Oh, there's the one more on here. Now I can see you. Now I can see. And what I'm saying is now I'm clear on the vision that God gave me because I've created boundaries between people and myself. Who is it in this room? Who is it in this room that is lacking boundaries? You're, you're lacking emotional space to be able to be creative. You're, you're lacking the ability to hear God's voice clearly because you're in verse 37 saying, everybody's looking for me, come on. Come on in my space, come on give me, come on give me some advice, but after a while you'll be depleted. You'll be like me in my freshman dorm room, exhausted, tired, hungry, I heard that. <laughs> And let me tell you something about hungry. Hungry, man, my mother used to say the worst time to go to the store is when what? When you're hungry. And what we've done is we're not hungering after the Lord. We're hungering after friendship and relationship and counsel. And we always need to be around you. And we always need people. No, you don't always need people. Here's what you need. You need time with the Lord. Because you've been running not towards community, but you've been running away from time with God. And here's what I can promise you. You're not a help to community when you're running from God. You're a hindrance to it. So what you need is time with the Lord. Father, I pray for everybody in this room.